Well, if you have a Bible, I want us to go to Mark chapter 2, Mark chapter 2, and uh, while you are looking that up, uh, we are in week three of our series called Keep Moving, uh, based off a, a sticky note that my wife wrote uh, in the midst of the most painful and difficult season of our lives. Uh, if you've missed any of the series, you can go back and listen to it on the podcast. But um, if, if you're new, I'll be sharing a little bit of that today to try to help you with that. But it was, it was a difficult season, and I, we found ourselves not in one crisis but a double crisis, and then it was these two words that just helped us. So what I want you to do first, I want you to grab in your chair back or in the uh, baskets on the front row... There are some message notes. Grab the message notes right now, if you would, and I I want you to write the word, keep moving, on that sticky note, okay? Keep moving on that sticky note. I've been hearing some great stories of where these sticky notes have ended up. Some people have given them to friends. Some people put them on the dash of their car. Some have had them at work and shared the story of um, our journey and and just encouraging them. Uh, It's just been so helpful. By the way, thank you, because this has been uh, probably the most vulnerable and transparent I have ever been publicly, and this has not been easy for me, but what I know is that God wants to speak to all of us, and he wants to not just guide my family and, and me out of our darkness, but and into back into the light and into his joy and into his peace, but he wants to guide all of us, all of us to a place of hope, healing, peace, and purpose. Can I get an amen from God's people? All right, um, so Mark chapter 2, I read out of the New Living Translation. If you don't have a Bible, I encourage you to download version. Just look for the New Living Translation. And Would you stand again? I'd like for us to stand while we read the Word. And um, Let's just, great story, great story. So listen to this story here in chapter 2, verse 1. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. And soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors There was no room even outside the door. So while he was preaching God's word to them, how awesome would that be if Jesus was your preacher? Um, That would be be awesome. Uh, And so he's, he's preaching, and four men arrived carrying this paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head, and they lowered the man on the mat right down in front of Jesus. And seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the the teachers of religious law who were sitting there, they thought to themselves, do you hear Yanny or Laurel? Do you hear Yanny? Do you hear Laurel? Do you hear? No? No? Okay. All right. Okay. All right. (laughs) Why do we get caught up in this kind of stuff? All right. No, this is what they said. What is he saying? This is blasphemy, as is Yanny and Laurel. Blasphemy. Oh, (laughs) Only God can forgive sins. Hello, hello, God's standing right in front of you. They don't even know it. Listen, I want you to know this right now. God is right here in this place today, and you may not even know it. He's standing right in front of you, and he wants to heal you today. He wants to heal your soul. He wants to do a great work in you. Open your eyes. Where are you, God? I'm ready. Come sit in this open seat next to me. So Jesus knew what they were thinking. He said, hey, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I'm going to prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he turned to the paralyzed man. He said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. 
And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. At which point Jesus dropped the mic, bam, and strutted out right behind the guy. It doesn't say that, but I like to think that he did. So today I want to talk to you specifically about being wounded before God. Wounded before God. Let's pray. Father, so grateful for your word today. So grateful. So grateful for your spirit. Thankful for baptism, God. Thank you for all the good things you're doing in our community. It's a good house to be worshiping in. So we're thankful for our friends, and we're thankful for the new friends we're going to be meeting and and knowing. So in this moment, speak to us. Uh, We ask your spirit to come. We, we, We have our eyes open. We have our ears open. Would you speak? And even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you can pray that prayer. God, speak to me today. God, we thank you in this moment. You're going to help us in Jesus' name. And the church gave me a big encouraging amen. Amen. All right, you may be seated. So we we don't know um, how long this paralyzed man was on this this mat. Um, We don't know if if, uh, he was uh, paralyzed at birth, that he was born that way. Was it? Was it an accident that, that took place? But, but what a moment in this man's life. Like in verse 12, look at verse 12. Like what a, a moment. The man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. Now, now when I read this and I was looking at this, I thought to myself, hang on a second here. Why, why didn't he just leave his mat? Why did he take his mat with him? And, and if you read in the story, if you remember what I just read a moment ago, Jesus actually told him, pick up your mat. Like, why? Why would you tell him to do that? I, I think one of the reasons that he did is because this, this mat that defined him as a tragedy had now become a trophy. So, I mean, just imagine the scene. He picks up his mat. Like he tucks it under his arm. He's just like strutting it out. Catch you cats later. He's doing the Carlton, you know. He's like getting that. That's not the Carlton. But he's, you know, he's doing, he's waving the mat. Woo! I mean, he's just going crazy. And just like you people are looking at me right now, they were all a bunch of stunned onlookers. Watching this guy walk out before him. I'd like for you to write this down because here's where I want to go for just a few minutes here today. In the hands of God, in the hands of God, my tragedy can become a trophy. In the hands of God, my my tragedy can become a a trophy. Uh, 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 The tragedy of abuse in the hands of God, a loving, merciful, compassionate God can become a trophy for his glory. In, in, the, in the hands of God, addiction can become a trophy. In the hands of God, divorce can become a, a trophy. In the hands of God, betrayal. Have you ever had somebody you love and out of nowhere they just betrayed you? You didn't know. You didn't see it coming. Well, God can take that betrayal and in his hands he can take that tragic moment in your life and he can turn it into a trophy. He can take, he can take um, loss. You lost somebody you love, he can take that and he can turn that into a trophy. He can take words like cancer. He can take a word like cancer that is a tragedy and he can turn it into a trophy for his glory. If you're a follower of Jesus, can you just affirm that with an amen, praise God? 
Man, this is what our God does. This is who he is. You know, Oklahomans have one thing in common with God. We, we hate participation trophies. God hates participation trophies. Can I get an amen? I mean, we just like, it's just not how we, we roll. I, I remember when I was in junior high, um, I went out for track and field, and I ended up in field because, well, I'm not very fast, and I can't run long distance, so after about two laps, I'm throwing up, and I saw this thing called the high jump, and I thought, you run eight steps, jump over a bar, and lay on a mat all day. That's my sport right there. <laughs> I'm doing that one, and so I went out for the high jump. I would love to tell you I was the number one high jumper in junior high. I was not. I'd love to tell you that I was the number two high jumper in junior high. I was not. I was actually number three in this tiny little small town. I was the third best high jumper. And I, I remember that year I got fifth place in a, in a meet, and I actually kept the ribbon they gave me. Woo! This is, no, don't woo on that. Who keeps a fifth place ribbon? I did. Why would you do that? But I, you listen, I, I think sometimes we think God's handing out fifth place ribbons. Hey, congratulations. Best it's going to get. That's how we feel. But we don't serve a God who hands out fifth place ribbons. No, we, we serve a God who turns tragedies into trophies for his glory and for his honor. So this, this man's life, this man, he's on the mat, this, this life, it's a tragedy. I mean, it just, it just is. And then we see, man, there, there's no way, there's no way this guy is getting to Jesus without some help. But man, thank God for friends. Because it says this in verse 3, it says, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. What I like about this is that Jesus didn't wait for this man to come to him. He sent out a rescue party to go get the guy. This is who our God is. This is what he does. Listen, I've been the man on the mat. If you've been here the last few weeks, you, you know the story. And if you have not, uh, you can listen to the podcast. But I'll just give you some of the basic premises a few years ago, our family was just sideswiped by a, just a dark season and a, and a horrific tragedy that, uh, it, was, it was bad. That's an understatement. It was horrific. Uh, not only that, but a year after we were getting in that and we were in the midst of it and trying to work through that, we got hit with a second crisis, so a crisis on top of another crisis, and if you've been following this, this um, series, you know that uh, we weren't sleeping. Laura and I weren't sleeping very well at all, if at all. And then one morning when I wasn't, I just got up. I don't know, it was 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the morning, and I kind of stumbled into the bathroom. And this is actually the bath mat from our house. This is the mat that I, um, that I found myself on <laughs> that morning. And I remember that feeling of feeling just like the man on the mat, paralyzed, just unable to move. And that, that's, that's when I looked up on, on the bathroom counter, and Laura had written two words that have absolutely changed my life. It's those words behind me. 
That's the sticky note. Keep moving. Keep moving. You know, when you're wounded, it is virtually impossible to move. Some of you know that kind of a wound, right? You've been wounded so deeply that, I mean, you, you can't, you're, you feel paralyzed. You, you, you feel paralyzed um, physically. Like in that moment, I felt like I, felt like I couldn't like even get up off the bathroom floor. I didn't know where to go or what to do. Sometimes you can feel paralyzed mentally or emotionally that it's so dark. You can't see your way. And sometimes you're, you're so wounded even spiritually, you can get wounded as a follower of Jesus because you're like, what's going on? God, I've given my life to serving you. I stepped out of everything to, to, to lay down my life for you. What's going on? Why is this happening to me? How am I ever going to overcome this? So I, I remember the year before when I... I was sitting on this mat, and the year before, when we got the, um, the horrific news, it just sideswiped me and my family. Um, the only way I can describe it is it was kind of like a plane crashing in the wilderness. And uh, you look around, and there's just death and destruction and flames and carnage, like, everywhere. And it's just, it's a brutal scene and 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 I look over and and there's my family and they're alive but man they're barely alive and they're wounded deeply and and uh and and uh, my kids are they're all looking at me and and my wife is looking at me and my kids are like all right what do we do dad and I look down and I'm I'm wounded like brutally wounded, I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know what to do because what I knew was like, I, have you ever had, you ever seen the movie or the TV show where there is, um, the guy stands up after an accident and there's that humming, high-pitched sound, that's all you hear? That was me on the day that I got that news and for a long period of time. And I knew if I, if I, I had to lead my family and and, and, and I had to lead them out, but I knew that if I wasn't careful, I could lead them down the wrong path, and I could lead them to destruction and even, even the death of their souls. I, I wanted desperately to lead them to Jesus, and I wanted to keep moving, but there's some moments where you feel like you can't keep moving, and it was at that time that God sent a rescue party up over the hill. And there were these friends that know all the details and know all the story that uh, just showed up in my life. And it's like they grabbed an end of each one, uh, an end of the mat, and they began to carry me to Jesus. And it was in that moment as if when I looked at these friends of mine that I could see it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And my friends, they led me to Jesus, and when I, when I was able to get my strength, I was able to, to stand up and get up off of my mat and walk again and walk out of my darkness, walk out of my pain, walk back into the peace and the hope of Jesus. Like, this is what I, I want for you today, for this idea that you could walk into the arms of Jesus just like these men help this guy get to Jesus. See, see listen, God, God sees you when you're on the mat. 
Like he cares about you, he loves you, he wants good for you. This is why he sends a rescue party. Even Jesus needed a rescue party. Is that not crazy? Jesus needed a rescue party. He's carrying the cross through the streets of Jerusalem. He's been beaten, he's been abused, he's been betrayed, and he can barely hold the cross up. And we read in scripture that, that God sent this man who stepped out of the crowd, his name is Simon of Cyrene. And he took the cross of Jesus and he carried it for him. Like, this is who we are at Core Church. Like, this is what we do. We are the rescue party. We care and we carry people to Jesus. We care and we carry people to Jesus. Can you tell four people right now in front of you, beside you, around you, just tell them right now, hey, I care about you. I care about you. So this man, he's... He's got four men that care about him. This is why I, I've been saying for several weeks now, over and over again, I've been making you sit by people, like, and I've been saying, scoot in, get closer. Some of y'all, we have the stanchions. You're like, why do we set these stanchions up? Why do these things always got to be up all the time? They just, I don't want to sit. Listen, we do that on purpose. Because, I, I mean, sometimes the leadership, like, Brad, should we? No, I want everybody sitting together. Nobody sits alone. If you want to sit alone, go to a movie, okay? But this is the house of God. We're the people of God. We're supposed to be a family, not a dysfunctional family that don't want to see each other and want our space. We're supposed to be a family that loves each other. So we come in. We look for the stranger. This is what I love about this church. We don't come in and go, they are sitting in my spots. We're not people that walk in and go, I'm not sitting down until they move those stanchions. Not until that stanchions are moved. Then, okay, all right, I'm in. All right, now I'm sitting down. No, we are people that say, who's sitting alone? And we go find those people. And I realize it makes you uncomfortable because you, like you like your man space or you like your, you guys, oh, I'm just to get uncomfortable around people. You can have, we got to get over that, people. I was at the, um, well, I wasn't at the women's event. That would have been odd. But I showed up just to see what was happening at our women's event. I was cracking up because at the women's event, all the ladies, they were all just sitting real close to each other. They're like, oh, come on in close. Let's just rub shoulders. Oh, it's so good. Oh, it's so much fun. You know, <laughs> you know? I actually saw, it was packed. And, and, and there was one seat here, and some lady came walking in the back, and they're like, oh, girl, girl, right here, right here, right here. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> men's event. There was double the number of these chairs. <laughs> we didn't just have a seat between us. We had rows and sections between us. <laughs> like, I got to have my man's face, okay? Listen, we sit together because we are a family. We are the rescue party. Listen, that, that, our prayer team, the rescue party, end of the service, you'll see our prayer team. They'll be up here across the front of the auditorium. What are they? They're a rescue party. And they show up in your life to help you, to pray over you. But it's not just our prayer team. We're like, oh, good for them. They're the rest. Good for them. They're the rescue party. Woohoo! No, we are all the rescue party. Like what I love about this church is, man, you, listen, if you're new, let me warn you. Don't tell somebody what your problem is because they're going to pray for you wherever you are. Like wherever you are. I mean, I see people praying in the aisles. I see them praying in the lobby, the kids wing, parking lot over in the offices and in the youth facility. I mean, we pray everywhere, and that's who we should be. Like when somebody lets you know their need, don't say, hey, I'm going to be praying for you, because you know what happens with that. You walk away, 
And then you come back the next week and you see them and you're like, oh, I didn't pray for them. I completely forgot. God help them right now. Hey, I've been praying for you. Pray right then. Man, I love our, our core teams, rescue party. You get on a door, you work the auditorium, you're in our kids' ministry, serving coffee, working with our youth, wherever you are, wherever you find yourself, you're part of the rescue party. You put a smile on your face, good morning, I'm glad you're here. Do you know people need to hear that? Can I tell you why people need to hear that? Two weeks ago, a lady walks into our church. She hadn't been in church since she's a little kid. She's scared to death to come to church because she thought, they're not going to accept me and God doesn't love me. I got a chance to talk with her. She said a friend had invited her and and she uh, reluctantly didn't want to come. And she's, nah. Friend kept saying, come on, come. I think it'd be great for you. And so she, she shows up. And somebody's there with a warm cup of coffee and a smile, a handshake. She's not sitting alone. Friendly people. She comes back again. End of the service. Here's what happens. She said, this is her words. She said, I don't know. I just felt God speaking over me that, that he loved me. That he really loved me, that he would forgive me. She says, so I just surrendered my life, and I just gave my life to him right there. That happens because of a friend. Can we give some praise to God for that? Like, that happens because somebody said, I'm going to be the rescue party. Like, this, this guy, he doesn't have it. Nobody's coming for this guy, but he's got four buddies that come for him. Nobody's coming for the broken. Nobody's coming for the wounded. Nobody's coming for the hurting. We are it. We are God's rescue party. And people desperately need hope, healing, peace, and purpose. He sends us out as a rescue party into the neighborhoods, into the classroom, into the workplace. Like, quit praying that God just can't stand. I work around a bunch of people that don't love Jesus. Hello, God put you there. Quit trying to pray yourself out of there. Actually, sometimes... Now, now, let me rethink that for just a second, because sometimes when you're praying, God, I'm working around all these, these pagan heathens, and I just need to be around Jesus followers. Get me out of here. I think sometimes God will get you out of that job and in the unemployment line so he can put somebody in that job that loves him and will share the faith and be the rescue party. That's why we're there. Too much? Too hard? We are the rescue party. Like, we are the answer. These four guys, they were the rescue party and four guys show up in this man's life and they they go over the house there's this huge crowd they can't get through the crowds they go up on the roof and they dig through the roof and I love this and as they dig into the roof Jesus kind of looks up and it says this in verse five the first part of verse five says seeing there say this with me this word is what faith seeing their faith like they were convinced Jesus is the healer like they were absolutely convinced we've got to get to him like they refused to quit like they kept moving to Jesus come on you got to keep moving to Jesus in faith come on tell somebody behind you in front of you keep moving keep moving you got to keep moving in faith Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 says this it's impossible to please God without what faith it's impossible to please him says anyone who wants to come to him this includes the man on the mat and his buddies, they got to believe that God exists and that he, say this with me, what? He rewards those who sincerely seek him. I love this, man. The, 
the faith of this man on the mat and his, his four buddies, it's so strong. Like, no obstacle is going to stop them from getting to Jesus. Like, they're, they're like they get to the house, and the, I can just see the guy on the mat go, hey, you guys, you did your best. <laughs> Appreciate the help. And I can see one of the guys go, oh, dude, we ain't stopping here, dude. We are getting you to Jesus. Yeah. And that was, yeah, we're going to get you to Jesus. And the guy on the mat's like, Yes. Okay, all right, we're going to get to Jesus. And so one of them's like, ah, I'll go up on the roof, see what's up there. And one he's yelling down for them, hey, we, we can dig through the roof. Are you crazy? Yeah, we can dig through the roof. And so they're like, all right, here we go. And I can see them going up the steps, and one of the guys is like, man, I think this is a really bad idea. I think this is a really bad idea. I, it's, no, we can do this. I don't know, because what if he doesn't heal him, and what if we do the damage to the house, and da, 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 And they're all talking to this guy, and they finally convince the other guy, hey, none of this is in there, by the way. I'm just reading into it. So... <laughs> So I look at the story going, I don't see any of this in here. Because, listen, they're people just like us. So I just think, I just think this is how it went down. And they're like, okay, all right, we can do this. And so they get up there and they start digging and they start digging and they start digging. And the guy on the mat, he can't dig, okay? All he can do is lay there. So he's like, guys, I'll be the lookout for the homeowners in case he shows up. <laughs> You're good, keep digging. <laughs> Man, they're digging like crazy. Listen, worry, doubt, fear, shame, failure, all obstacles that keep us from Jesus. And sometimes, sometimes when you find yourself on the mat, you, you need some tools that will help you get to the healer. You, you might need counseling. I needed it. I went. It's one of the best things I ever did in my life was go to counseling because it opened up the way, it opened up the pathway for me to, to see Jesus again and to get to Jesus again. I mean, you, you might need, man, if you're facing a financial collapse, man, you might need to make Dave Ramsey your best friend. You might not start listening to his radio show, go to Financial Peace University. Man, if you, if you can't get off the mat, maybe you're in a dark period of your life right now. I mean, it's so dark, you can't hardly even get out of bed. You're just, I can't function. People are talking to you. You don't hear them because all you're thinking about is the overwhelming circumstance and situation. There's nothing wrong with medication to help you with that. Nothing wrong with medication to help you open it. But here's the thing. Those are all tools. They are not your answer. They're tools that open up the pathway for us to get to the healer, and his name is Jesus. you got to get to Jesus. So what that means is not only do you maybe need those tools, but you also got to spend some time digging through his word. Like, you got to dig and dig and dig until fear turns into faith. Like you got to get on your knees before God when you have doubts and I don't know how I'm going to make it. You got to stay on your knees until courage rises up in you once again and you can rise up and you can walk. Man, you might, listen, you may need to worship. You may need to come in, get a seat early, listen to the songs. I've said this a couple weeks ago and you start singing from your lips until your soul catches up with you. And I'm just going to keep singing until my soul starts singing. And when my soul starts singing, faith is going to rise up in me again. That's what you have to do. You have to be resolute. And you have to believe. Because in the hands of God, in the hands of God, my tragedy can become a trophy. So, so these guys are working. I love this. They're, they're working their way. They get through the crowd, and they get up on the roof, and they dig through the roof, and they're lowering the guy down in front of Jesus. And then it says this. In the, we go back to verse 5, and it says this. Jesus said to the paralyzed man, 
my child, your sins are forgiven. Hang on a second. Can't you just see these guys? Uh, hey, Jesus, um, aren't you going to do that healing thing? Like, dude, we just drug him across town. You see what a big boy he is? I am sweating. I sweated through three T-shirts just to get him to you. I have to do a repair job on this house now. Lowered him down. Ain't you going to do your healing thing? Man, how often do we do the same thing? And don't we do that? Hey, I came to church. Hey, I read my Bible. Hey, I'm serving. Hey, I gave something the offering. Hey, I said the prayer. Aren't you going to do that healing thing? Listen, the, the thing we have to understand is, is this. Our, our greatest need, our greatest need, our greatest need is not the healing of our situation. Our greatest need is the healing of our soul. That's our greatest need. I was lost. I had no way out of my chains. Sin had me captured and held prisoner. I wondered about God's grace and his mercy, but praise be to God, he sent Jesus, and Jesus paid for my sin, and because of Jesus and his sacrifice and his resurrection, hallelujah, I am set free. Listen, the greatest miracle God will ever do in your life is heal your soul. Let him heal your soul. That's what he wants. So this man is on this mat, and this mat really, really defined his life as a tragedy. But I love how Jesus redefined it as, as a trophy. It's kind of the same thing he did with the cross. And think about the cross. The cross that set you free, that set me free. The cross, it represents shame, failure. It... it, it it represents tragedy, but God turned it into a trophy. So I, I'm in fifth grade, and, or excuse me, I'm in, um, I'm in junior high, and I, I got this uh, <laughs> fifth place ribbon. And I was trying to figure out this week, why did I keep a fifth place ribbon? What in the world was I thinking? This is just, I don't understand. And then I remembered. Um, I was the third best high jumper in junior high. But I went into the coach's office and I asked him, I said, hey, what's the record? What's the high school record? And he just kind of looked at me like, why would you be asking Farnsworth? <laughs> like, you know, he's like, okay. And so he tells me what it is. Um, and it's well over a foot higher, almost two feet higher than I was jumping at the time. And it was, well, it was above my head. And I remember, though, thinking, I didn't say it out loud, but I remember thinking, I, I want to break the high jump record one day. I want to be, I, I want my name up on that record board. And so I stayed in the high jump, and each year I got a little bit better and a little bit better and jumped just a little bit higher. And I remember there were times that I would um, jump, and they had a, it was a, a metal bar. And I'm just telling you, there were times that you, you'd go up to jump, and if you clipped the bar, you could land on it across your back. Ah! It was painful. And what would happen is, I don't know, psychologically, to every high jumper, you run up and you're just like, go, no, 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 do it again, no, 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 all right, gonna do another, coming back around for another approach, here we go, all right, okay, all right, I'll try tomorrow, 
Don't, don't we all do that in life? You try to get up off the mat, and then something happens. You're like, nope, no, no. Maybe I'll try tomorrow. But I, I, I kept, kept moving, kept going. In my senior year, I remember it was a home meet, and it was one of my last chances to, to do it, to break the record. And um, I missed it on my first one, and I, and I thought, I'm not going to be able to do it. And I was like, no, I want to do this. And, and the one thing I know when you high jump is when you jump, it doesn't, they don't count the jump as good until you get up off the mat. And so um, the bar was set just a little bit taller than me. And my second jump, I came up to the bar, jumped as high as I ever jumped in my entire life. And I felt like I touched the bar and I couldn't really tell. But when I landed on that mat, boom, I jumped up off that mat over here. Boom, watch that bar go. Womple, 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 womple. And it stayed on. Listen, here's the thing. Some of you, you need to jump up off the mat, okay? You need to get up off the mat. You need to keep moving. We don't serve a God of fifth place ribbons. Congratulations. As good as it's going to get. No, that's not our God. Our God is one who takes, who takes tragedies and turns them into trophies. Listen, don't let your mat define you. Don't let it define you as a failure. Don't let it define you as, as wounded or, or abused or broken. Don't let this mat define you that way. Let God redefine it. Man, let him, let him make it a trophy of his goodness. Let him make it a trophy of his mercy, of his grace. Listen, the, the last few weeks, these stories I've been telling you, this whole series, this is not a series that's a tragedy. This is a series that is a trophy for the glory of God in my life. It's a trophy. I don't come before you with a tragedy, I come before you with the trophy of God's goodness to say, I got off of the mat, so can you. God can heal you. He can give you what you so desire for your soul.